Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the UND College of Engineering and Mines student-led podcast. I'm your host, Becca May. Usually I have our co-host Keegan Sari here with us, but he's doing some technical work today as we do the podcast. I am a geology and environmental studies major here at UND, and I am also sitting here with one of our professors, one of our engineering professors, Dr. Bjorgard, or as she prefers to be called, Dr. B. That's what I refer to her as. Um, a quick background on my knowledge of Dr. B. Uh, I've had her for two classes. I had her for statics, which is an intro uh, to engineering course that most mechanical, civil, all of a lot of the engineers except chemical basically kind of have to take electrical, probably don't have to take statics. No, I believe electrical do have to take statics, Becca. Okay, okay. Um, so I had her for that, and then I had her for engineering econ, which is an engineering class that all engineering majors have to take. Uh, it's just like an introductory class of how to manage um, engineering and economics together, but I'll let her dive into that a little bit more. Um, so to begin, Dr. B, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself? Um, I know a little bit about you, kind of, but like, where'd you go to school? Um, all the basic facts that you would give on syllabus week. Absolutely. Dr. B, I got my bachelor's and my doctorate, both from the University of North Dakota. And I basically rolled straight from my doctorate into teaching here. I started my first semester of teaching was spring 2016. I've been here five years now. Okay. You've only been here for five years. I've only been teaching for five years. I got my bachelor's here. Well, but, but, <laughs> so. you've only, I am shocked that you've only been teaching for five years. I feel like you've been teaching, not like, not that you seem old or anything. It's just like, <laughs> it's just, you seem so knowledgeable and it's just like, it, I'm kind of shocked. So what, what did you get your degrees in? My bachelor's and doctorate are both in chemical engineering. Okay. And I'm going to ask you first, why, why did you choose chemical engineering? I liked chemistry. I liked mathematics. I had a chance to do governor's school, which is, I'm terribly sorry to anyone who went to governor's school, but it's science camp for nerds. Okay. Okay. And uh, it was a six week intensive research program in a chemistry lab when I was in high school. And I made five milligrams of product. Wow. Well, that's just great. Wow. I wanted bigger and I thought chemical engineering was bigger <laughs> chemistry. And it kind of is. Okay. Okay. Did you, where'd you grow up in Minnesota? North Dakota. North Dakota. I grew up in North Dakota. So is that governance? Is that governor's like, school? Governor's school. Is that like a nationwide thing? Is it a North yeah, Dakota Yeah. Every thing? state does a governor's school. Really? I've never heard of that. That is really interesting. Okay. Well, high school students, if you're listening to this, that's something to keep in mind. I've never heard of that. That's, that's awesome. So it, it's kind of like engineering or chemistry based or? Uh, there were four programs when I was in it. I think there are more now. There was a science, a math, a business, and an arts. Wow, that is really cool. I, we're not trying to get into the governance, what's it called? Governor's school. Governor's school. Um, but that's just really interesting. I'd never heard of it, so I wanted a little more information. Sure. So what made you want to be a professor? Like, why would you get an engineering degree and then become a professor? Okay, the truth behind why I'm teaching is I had a doctorate, and Dr. Cavalli was associate dean at the time. He was longtime chair of mechanical. At that time, he was serving as associate dean, and he pulled me into his office, and the conversation was almost verbatim. You got a PhD, you're gonna teach. Oh my. Okay. And I was terrified. Uh huh. My first week of classes, I was absolutely terrified. I was standing up front going, Could somebody throw a pie, please? <laughs> because it's really intimidating. The public speaking aspect of it was scary. I bet. I bet. But it turned out this was an absolute calling for me. That's awesome. So I'm really grateful to Dr. Cavalli, even though he scared me. Wow, that's, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So you 
Well, what year was your first semester? Spring 2016. 2016. Okay, that would be five years. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about the courses that you teach at UND? Okay, I teach Engineering 100, which is Intro to Engineering. Basically, it's a course designed for first or maybe second year engineering students who don't know what they want to major in yet. We bring in each of the departments, they present on their various majors, and the goal is to help these students decide what field of engineering is the right fit for them. I teach Engineering 200, Computer Applications and Engineering, and this is basically a computer programming course. It's somewhat less intensive than some of the courses that computer science teaches, but we cover the C programming language, C89, and we cover MATLAB. So it's a lot of how do you write code in C, how do you write code in MATLAB, and how do you use these as tools for problem solving. I teach Engineering 201 Statics, as you already outlined, Becca, which is, it's basically a semester where nothing moves. <laughs> it's the introduction to how to balance forces, how to balance torques in a system, how to make sure our structures are going to be stable, how we start doing analysis on various members of our systems, a little bit of work and friction. Okay. okay. Some of that kind of stuff, really fundamental for a lot of what mechanical and civil engineers do, mm -hmm. but it's good for all engineers to take statics because many of the same concepts show up in a lot of the majors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I teach Engineering 340, Professional Integrity and Engineering which is the ethics course. So we do some work in codes of ethics, but we go beyond that. We talk about ethical theory. This week, for example, we're working on trust and reliability in engineering. So various ways engineers can be dishonest. I mean, obviously we don't want to be, but we need to recognize it can happen and how do we keep ourselves from it. Then when we've covered, you know, all the different ways engineers know how they should behave, we read thinking fast and slow to figure out part of how we actually make decisions and why we don't always do what we should do. Mm -hmm. And I teach Engineering 460, Engineering Economy, which covers uh, project management from an economic basis, basically. We look at rates of return, we look at cost-benefit analysis, and we use these as tools to decide from an economic perspective which projects we should pursue. Truthfully, I would have no idea that you like struggled with or were fearful of with public speaking in the beginning because you can just ramble those off so well, like without any hesitation. It's I didn't I forgot you taught so many classes. You get over a fear of public speaking really fast <laughs> when you have to do it for multiple sections a week. I was over my fear of public speaking after my first week of teaching. I, I could imagine. <laughs> I could imagine. So because you do, you do teach so many classes, you don't actually do research um, or anything at UND. Right. Do you plan on doing research later on in the future? Or uh, do you kind of like the teaching aspect a little bit I more? really like the teaching aspect. If I were to do research, it would be an engineering education, but I don't have any really solid project ideas. So okay. Okay. I'll just teach for now. Okay, so you don't have any grad students, huh? I do not have any grad students, okay. no. And I'm not serving on any com graduate committees right now. Okay, okay. Good to know. Good to know for the graduate students that may be looking at this. So from your experience and perspective, five years of teaching, what is your favorite class to teach and why, obviously? Okay, each of my classes are really fun in different ways. For me, Engineering 460, I have a definite soft spot for because my parents are both accountants. Oh. So this ties strongly into some business background I got just growing up. I did a lot of philosophy courses as an undergrad, which is somewhat surprising by a lot, I mean, too, but you know, it's two more than most engineering students take. Yes. So I really enjoy the philosophy aspect of ethics. 
Engineering 200, there's a lot of fun in digging into computer code. And I'm a dabbler in many things. And one of the things I dabbled in in grad school was computer programming. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, Python's my favorite language, but C is fun. MATLAB can do a lot of really great things visually with data and with statistical analysis that unfortunately I don't get to show in Engineering 200 because yeah. I have 17 weeks. Yeah. Uh, statics, it's just really important for laying that good foundation for the rest of the engineering classes to come in Engineering 100. What's more fun than helping someone decide <laughs> what to do with the rest of their life? Yeah, yeah. You do teach a lot of interesting and fun classes like when you're taking them I don't know how fun they are but when you (laughs) reflect upon them they do uh they're you know I have a professor who calls it there's three types of fun type one fun is like whoa this is a lot of fun type two fun is like you're not having fun in the moment but when you reflect you're like that was good and then type three is like this is not fun at all so like I feel like you know some of the classes I like to think at least most of my classes hit type two yeah and occasionally the bad jokes will get you to type one fun yeah yeah, I agree I agree because I think I never had Engineering 100, but I feel like that would be uh, a fun class to get to because I've, I've presented in Engineering 100 for a few things, and I think that would be fun. So, and then the programming class, like that, was definitely a Type Two fun for me. But when I reflect, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was so cool. So good to know. Good to know. Um, so now that we kind of have a little bit of more information about you, what you like to teach, and how you like to teach, or that kind of stuff, we're gonna kind of go into how you would approach a freshman who is maybe looking at the College of Engineering and Mines and um, some of the advice that you give them. So one of the first questions I have regarding that is essentially what advice would you give to those entering freshmen from your perspective as a, as a professor, as a PhD student, as an undergraduate? I've been in your shoes, which I know just sounds like such an impossible sentence, but I've been there and I know you might not be certain right now. I was absolutely sure when I walked in at 18 that I wanted to be a chemical engineer and I was going to spend the rest of my life researching and my research was going to change the world. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed my research. But that didn't end up being what I was really meant to do. Mm -hmm. I was a decent researcher, but turns out teaching is what I wanted. And the first piece of advice I'd give is it's healthy to not be sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you're changing your mind multiple times. Seek out advice. The Career Center is there for a reason. Advisors are there for a reason. Your profs are happy to help you as well. And if you are looking at engineering, it's not about necessarily being the smartest kid in your class or the smartest person in the room. You need to have a lot of perseverance because there are times where the degree is hard. There's classes you struggle with. I fought physics. I fought physics tooth and nail. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got through physics. And it was okay. I became an engineer anyway, even though I honestly don't particularly like physics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Third note, chemistry, math, physics are the tools we use. But if you don't like calc, for example, that doesn't mean you're not going to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I guess it'd be those three points. It's healthy oh. to not be sure. Um, second point, perseverance is key. Third point, your science and math classes are tools. They're not what you do as an engineer. I, I would totally agree with all of that advice, um, especially the not so sure. I've, I've shared on this podcast before I've changed my major like three times, four times. I don't know. I've changed it quite a bit and I'm, I'm still here. So, and I'm almost done on time. So things are, things are good. There you go. <laughs> so 
you do teach a lot of the introductory classes. You know, you teach some advanced level classes, but you do teach like statics and the um, programming course. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you think is the most helpful study tool to do as like as a professor, what do you think is the most helpful thing to do? Because I've heard different things from different professors and just getting that advice can be sometimes be helpful. As a student, I loved my study groups. I made a point in every class I was in of getting into a good study group, one that met on a regular basis and had people in it that were dedicated to getting through the course together. We did the homework together, we quizzed each other, we taught each other the material. It worked really well for me. Okay. And it was actually good practice as it turns out because as a practicing engineer, you do not lock yourself in a cubicle and solve equations all day. Mm-hmm. Engineering is very team oriented. Mm-hmm. So it turned out this was really good informal practice for working on a team. Okay, okay. From, from your perspective, do you like when students come in and ask for help? Or? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am here to help students. I want people to succeed in my courses. Mm-hmm. And if students are confused, come ask. Yeah, I, I think I've noticed that among many professors, they appreciate when students come in. Dr. McNally said that um, he's noticed a lack of students coming in since COVID has happened. He, he's yeah. not sure why, but I think it's no- partly the concern over the pandemic mm-hmm. and how contagious this has shown to be. And partly we got really isolated from each other when everybody went home and mm-hmm. I taught remotely for a year. That kind of stuff doesn't help. But yeah, I've noticed people stopping by office hours are down too. I'm looking for ways to pick that up myself. Mm-hmm. I actually, I was in statics with you this semester that it all, like it was spring of 2020 and First, it was just like that one week we were going to go on Zoom. Yeah, but you remember, I was going, bring your books home with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, you handled it. Out of all the professors I had, you were one of the ones that handled it the best that, that semester. Well, thank you. It was it was definitely something I don't know how many people saw coming. So oh, you did. You did. <laughs> um, Turns out being a pessimist will eventually work in your favor. <laughs> um, so... What do you think is the most challenging challenging thing about engineering, both like in college and you have ha- like as, maybe as a professor? Because you have you had any outside um, educational background on engineering? Have you had like an internship or? Yeah, I had okay. a couple of internships when I was an undergraduate student, mm-hmm. and I my research was actually not done within the College of Engineering oh. and Mines. So I did my research over at the Energy and Environmental Research Center. Okay. Which is UND affiliated. Yep. But technically not part of camp. Well, it's part, but not part kind of gray area with campus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so now that I know that a little bit, so what do you think is the most challenging thing about engineering in college and then both like out of college in, in the field itself? Work-life balance. (laughs) I'm going to say that for both in college and out of college, because engineering requires a lot of perseverance. It also takes a lot of your time. And for me, finding that balance between work and life has really been a challenge. It was a challenge as a student, it was a challenge in grad school, and it's remaining a challenge now. <laughs> I could imagine. So for me, that's one of the big challenges of engineering. So what, what do you think are the top things with, with all of those challenges? What is the top thing or what are the top things you would attribute to a successful college career um, in engineering? I had to get really organized mm-hmm. because when I came out of high school, I was Uh, A lot of engineering students are this way. We're the people that didn't have to study. Mm -hmm. 
And so when I hit college, I had to learn good study skills. I had to learn good time management skills. And as a professor, I have a lot of competing demands on my time. This semester, I'm teaching four courses. I'm serving on two different committees with the university as well. So I have office hours. There's a perpetual stack of grading on my desk. Mm -hmm. I have to manage my time well. Mm -hmm. And that getting organized and managing my time helps with the work-life balance too. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of people say that. And I, I'm one of those people that say to say that as well. Once I figured out that work-life balance and managed my time more effectively, things became maybe not necessarily easier, but it started working out a little bit smoother. And I had to get granular down to the 15-minute mark. <laughs> yep, yep. If so, I did not granulate it down, there was no hope. Yeah, so that, that is one thing. Some, some people have to be like that just every mm-hmm. single minute planned out minute by minute. Um, some people, some people have to learn that, you know, I had to learn that about myself. I need that (laughs) level of structure or it's harder for me to Mm -hmm. make it all work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then now we've learned quite a bit about your perspective as a student, your perspective as a professor, some of your experience. So I'm going to ask some more personal kind of fun questions. Um, what things do you like to do out of engineering? Because I know you do have quite a few hobbies. I know you, you like to like share like syllabus week that you are a nerd. So I know that. So, so what are some of your hobbies outside of uh, being a professor, being an engineer? I have this thing with hobbies where <laughs> I will obsess into a hobby for weeks at a time and then drop it for months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only hobbies that have held my interest for an extended period of time are I knit and I crochet. Mm-hmm. So most recently, I have a newborn niece, and I made her a baby blanket. She got a little cardigan. She got booties. Made her a Princess Leia hat with the little buns on the sides because I love this child beyond all reason, let's be honest. (laughs) That's awesome. And she looks great in it, I'll be honest. I I have to see pictures eventually. Mm -hmm. That'll be cute. That'll be cute. I have, I, I love video games. I am an aspiring speedrunner. I'm not terribly oh, good. Oh, wow. I usually do like the pop cap line of games, which is stuff like Plants vs. Zombies. Okay. And I wish I'd caught one of my runs because it was a four-hour run, any percent through the game, which would have put me top 50, at wow. least according to speedrun.com. Wow. So do you have like a YouTube channel? Please tell me you have a YouTube channel. I do not have a oh, YouTube channel. Dr. B, that would have been great. I, I would have gotten that out of you somehow. Oh, you I would have, but that, that's part of why I do not. That's why you do not. <laughs> That is that is great, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? No, that's basically it right yeah. now. It's the oh, audiobooks. Mm. I do a lot of great courses through Audible because I can go learn new things, and learning new things is fun. I'm actually working on a course on ancient Mesopotamia. Okay, very interesting. Because there is nothing I love more than learning something new. Uh huh. Very cool. It is cool. also why my hobbies are like weeks long and then gone. Right. I I know quite a few people like that. I, I understand that. Um, so what what's your favorite part about what you do? In teaching, it's hard to put into words, but I know what it is. It's the aha moment. <laughs> and the aha moment can happen one-on-one. It can happen with a small group. It can happen with the entire class. And it's the moment when I know the students are getting it. They get the concept and they understand the significance. And there's that connection to the knowledge, the connection to each other. It's just this overall connection, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely understand. It can be rewarding. It can mm-hmm. be really rewarding. Um, I've experienced that very few times in my life, but 
it's it's a good it's a good feeling i'm sure mm-hmm. uh so with that countering it what is your least favorite part Grading is the cross I bear for the aha moment. <laughs> I I know for as much homework as I assign, I do not care for grading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could imagine. I I'm a TA this semester, and uh-huh. my my professor has asked me to do some some grading here and there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like sure, I'll read this paper. It's <laughs> I I have learned that maybe I don't want to be a professor <laughs> or a teacher. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's, it's just as important to learn what you don't want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I have, a, I have a question, and I'm just kind of curious. It's a, it's a little deeper of a question. Do you have favorite students? I have students that I get to know better than others. Okay. It, I enjoy all my students, but there are some who, they're the ones who are really participating in class, the ones who are reaching out by email or through office hours. That I get to have a little bit more of a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a student, from my perspective, I found that like developing that relationship with my professor is actually like it's not as scary as it seems. It's actually really fulfilling to be able to be like, "Hey, Will," or "Hey, Doctor B," or whatever, and just have a conversation about maybe sometimes you know deeper things than than our class or something like that. And so. it's also really fun when former students will reach out, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm graduating this year," or. I graduated three years ago. I don't know if you remember me. And yeah, I do remember you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think those were all of the questions I had for you for this interview. Is there anything you wanted to add or anything you felt necessary to talk about? Engineering might seem intimidating if you dive into it. But if you stay with it and you reach out for help when you need it, there's a lot of reward at the end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Dr. B. I appreciate your time, and I hope the listeners also appreciated everything you had to say. It was really interesting, and it was good to get to know you on a little bit deeper of like this kind of personal, professional scale, because um, I know like, some of the things you like to do outside of, outside of engineering and stuff, but I never knew, like, why did you become a professor? And I know you went to UND, but I was just kind of curious how it all worked out. Absolutely. So, thank you for having yeah, me. Thank you.